Brought to you by Leading Ring Network. All box, no filter. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas de Caballeros. Another edition of Leading Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, and my co-host, uh, Milcar. What's going on, brother? I'm okay, man. No uh, fancy mics, no call-in today, unfortunately. <laughs> Rush in to get everything set up literally at the last minute on my laptop today. But we'll be back with all of that good stuff next time. How's it going, Dave? Um, it's going good, man. You know, um, we didn't get on last week after Crawford had that great performance over uh, Brooke, which a lot of folks are calling for KO of the year. Um, so we didn't get a chance to eat crow. Well, we actually, we picked Crawford yeah. to win. We just kind of picked, uh, you know, Brooke to do a far much better performance that we end up getting on that night between Crawford and Brooke. You know, uh, Crawford was able to adjust to him. Uh, it looked like Brooke was going to give him some trouble in the first uh, two rounds of the opening rounds with his jab. But uh, Crawford quickly adjusted to it and was able to take him out of there, man. Any thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I thought that Brooke was a live dog in that fight. Um, you know, he made weight. He said he made weight easy. He was in shape. But right. the guy's punch resistance really just evaporated to the point where, you know, he got caught with a shot uh, from a switch hitting Crawford who made that adjustment switching the southpaw. And as quick, twitchy, and powerful as Kelbrook looked at the beginning uh, of the fight, at least for the first few rounds, you know, it just took that one shot. And at this point, his punch resistance clearly isn't what it used to be because this is a guy who stood tall and, like, absorbed hellacious shots from G Golovkin when he stepped up to middleweight who, you know, can't obviously recuperate from from shots at welterweight anymore at this point right. at least from terrence crawford oh man we'll get back to Terrence crawford obviously there's some stuff we want to talk about with like errol spence uh a lot of leaving the ring gmail like flooded in um asking about our opinion what do we think uh what do we what are our thoughts about bob arum uh saying that you know what? Uh, <laughs> can't even buy a house with uh, I'm Beverly Hills with Crawford. He's not making much money. And then, you know, Terrence Crawford uh, replying back to that, saying, well, then cut me loose. Let me go. Let me out of the contract. We'll get back to that, though. We'll definitely get back to that. But I do want to talk about the results of this past weekend. You did have Danny Jacobs jump in at 168, decided to face Gabriel Rosado, who a lot of us thought that Gabriel Rosado was pretty much on the retirement line. Um... But came out there, and it was a completely different type of performance that I was expecting here, Milcar. What about you? Did you think much of it? Did you think that Danny Jacobs was going to end up turning this possibly could have been an easy match for him because of the fact that Gabriel Rosado's face doesn't hold up as well when you strike him with some solid punches, but instead end up making, making it look like a very dull sparring match. It wasn't a smoke match. It was definitely a very dull sparring match that could have been possibly with 20-ounce gloves in there. 
Yeah, I mean, going into the fight, I wasn't really all that excited. Uh, I don't know if you were excited about this fight. I mean, the main no. fight I was excited for was the one that we're going to talk about later. And spoiler alert, it wasn't Roy Jones versus <laughs> uh, Mike Tyson, nor was it Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul. Um, nor was it Badu Jack versus a guy who was 13 to know that I'd literally never even heard of. But I digress. Um yeah, I, I wasn't really that excited about this. You know, let's face it. Gabe Rosado's best weight was 154 pounds, right? Um, yes. Daniel Jacobs' best weight was 160. Uh, you know, I think he's moved up because he can no longer make 168. And personally, I've never really been that impressed by uh, Daniel Jacobs. Um, he's got a great backstory. You know, it's great that he came back from cancer. That's always you know, something difficult to, to kind of the miracle man is what he's back from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone, let alone resume a career as like a high level boxer. But I have just never really been that impressed with his performances in the fights. I mean, whenever he steps up to the big stage, he kind of just, just enough to make a case that, you know, he thinks he won the fight when most people think he didn't win the fight. If right. you know what I mean? Um, no. Whether it was Canelo, whether it was triple G, uh, and, Honestly, I was not very impressed with him when he faced off against Chavez Jr. I don't know about you. So, you know, the fact that he's now taking on a guy whose best weight was 154, who dabbled in bare-knuckle fighting, right? Right. And, you know, who's now fighting at 168, a weight class he has no business in, but who has a name. And I'll be honest, was probably brought in, like you alluded to, to kind of get cut up, bloodied, and to make Daniel Jacobs look good. Right. That's he what did I none of the above. No, he didn't. You know, he did none of he did none of the above. Um Let in me... fact, they kind of looked like they were he could, he kept saying that they were different levels. They kind of looked like they were the same level to me. What about you, David? I, I have to agree with you. I'm just gonna say really quick, what's up to everybody that's that's joined us in the chat room? Nado, what's up, brother? G Funk, Chicano Profit. Mr. Boxing Today. Oh, my God. What's up, brother? Uh, All my guys in the house. I know, man. Uh, Thanks for joining us here. Uh, Also, throw up in the chat room what you guys thought about Daniel Jacobs and Gabriel Zotto. Uh, I had a chance to go on the locker room app with uh, G-Funk, and we we talked about a good 15, 20 minutes about that fight. Look, my my issue with this is this. Um, I agree with you on every every point that you were making about Daniel Jacobs. I've always been impressed by Daniel Jacobs. He's never been in a bad fight. But now we're kind of seeing that he's getting older, uh, moving up in weight. He hasn't looked that good. Even when he fought Canelo, I'm not going to take away any of the accomplishment that Canelo was able to do against Danny Jacobs. But let's be honest here. That was not the Danny Jacobs of the past. The Danny Jacobs of the past was if you fought him, he's going to fight back. You hit him, he's going to hit back. We've slowly have seen him kind of digress of who he really is. And you know what? I think we're at this level now that Danny is at a safe point in his life where he's actually waiting for another big payday. I don't think he wanted to take any risk against Gabriel Rosado, which would have required him to actually sit on some punches. He didn't sit on any punches here. Okay. He didn't even attempt to try to cause a cut on Gabriel Rosado at all. Um, was it uh, the trainer that had something to do with it? Or was it really there was no fire that was sparking in the heart of Danny Jacobs? I can't really blame the trainer. And I'm going to tell you why here, Milkar. Because anytime 
a guy switches over a trainer, a lot of times, whatever that trainer is trying to teach them, if it's not working or they don't feel comfortable, at least you get a sense a little bit or a, 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 a split second of that person reverting back to who they were. We didn't see any of that with Danny Jacobs at all. The other thing is, too, is that Danny, uh, Gabriel Rosado went into his uh, after with his interview and he was just like, hey, man, uh, I did better. I boxed. I fought, blah, blah, you know, the way a lot of people didn't think I was going to go out there and fight. I deserved to win. I didn't really think you did deserve that win. I still thought no. that Danny Jacobs was able was controlling the fight. Um, Gabriel Rosado, kudos to you. You're right. You didn't get cut. You weren't bleeding all over the place. You didn't soak up the canvas with your DNA or anything like that. But here's the truth of the matter. You really didn't even do much, though. I mean, you could have pressed that fight. You could have actually reverted to the old Gabriel Rosado, and I think you probably would have beaten Danny Jacobs a bit more convincingly without that, that win would have swayed your way. But seeing that both of you guys were okay of not knowing who was going to lead in the fight, it cost you the fight, but it also cost Danny Jacobs of leaving us a lot of questions. Should he retire? As a matter of fact, Here's the questions that I got for guys out there in the chat room. And as for you as well. I like well, Nando's question. Let's see. Let me bring it up here. Let's go with. Uh, well, not, go. Nando. Not, yeah, there you go. Bring up Nando over there. I like yeah, Nando's question. Can, can we stick a fork in DJ? Does PBC feed him to plant or Benavides? <laughs> I, I mean, so. the funny thing the, the funny thing to me about, about uh, Gabe Rosado is like he pulled a Daniel Jacobs. It's like. You didn't really do enough to win, but now you're claiming a victory. Like, to me, that's what Jacobs did against Canelo and against Triple G. And it's like, dude, you really didn't do enough to be, like, the convincing what? winner in this fight. And I I can't see, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Jacobs beating, like, a Gilberto Ramirez or uh, Benavides or a Plant or, or any of, like, the guys that have been top players at 168 for the past few years. You know, I... Definitely can't see him beating the Callum Smith, you know. No, uh, I can't see that either. I, I can I don't. I don't see him beating Billy Joe Saunders. To be honest with you, like I, I, and and I just don't see him boxing in a way that's really gonna excite fans and want them well, to like buy that the Zone subscription and tune in. Well, let me ask you this. Here are the three questions that mm -hmm. I think that a lot of folks are asking. Okay, question about the questions about Jacobs. Do you yeah. do you want to see him? Again, against Canelo. Do you want to see him get back in there with Canelo, which he's been kind of, uh, you know, narrating the story that that's what he wants. That's pretty much what he thinks he's in position of since Canelo moved up to 168. Do you think that that performance that he did against Rosado, does it validate the chance for him to get in with Canelo? What are your thoughts? I mean, absolutely not. This is my thought. <laughs> I mean, if Canelo, if like Canelo that, wanted a payday and, you know, yeah. honestly wanted to go out there and get the KO reel over Danny Jacobs, I think this is the perfect time for him to go out yeah, there and just but, jump all over Danny Jacobs. But I, I agree I with mean, you. I agree with you. you just, I don't want to say I mean, he's, he doesn't – let's be let's be honest. He doesn't really have a big fan base. To me, he's not a very exciting fighter. You know, I was, I was actually like most, you know, hardcore boxing fans, like watching all of the, like the – videos from Matchroom, like kind of pumping up the fight and then that kind of virtual uh, press conference they had, you know, and he's like, all of a sudden he's like really egotistical and like, you know, 
downplaying Gabe Rosado and everything. And I'm saying to myself, okay, you're speaking to Gabe Rosado this way, but Canelo could speak about you like 10 times worse. Like, why would Canelo give you a, a, a fight? Why would he give you an opportunity? He really didn't excite to me like the boxing fan base. No. Let alone, let alone the casual, like, uh, general sports fan that, you know, Canelo always brings in with, with his fights. Like, they're not going to be clamoring for a Daniel Jacobs type opponent. You I know, I yeah. mean, they, at this point, they'd probably rather see Canelo against Roy Jones or Mike Tyson. Okay, so here's the second question. Would yeah. you want to see Gennady Golovkin and Danny Jacobs go at it again? You know who I'd like to see Canelo, you know who I'd like to see Daniel Jacobs face off against? Why don't we just put him against Andrade? Doesn't Andrade need kind of a name and an opponent? Aren't they both on the zone? I mean... I honestly, I don't want to see Daniel Jacobs against Golovkin. I don't really even want to see Golovkin against against Canelo. Like, there's so many more exciting fights for Canelo at this point than Triple G or or uh, Daniel Jacobs to me. Hmm. Like, I maybe I'm in the minority on that one, but I no, I think I, I, just, I think I think you're right, but I think that it it's just gonna fall on on the plans of what. Danny Jacobs is 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 hoping to get you know and I I mean look if he blew out Gabriel Rosado let me ask you this hypothetically mm-hmm. if he blew out Gabriel Rosado what we thought he should have been able to do Gabriel Rosado's face yeah. scar tissue honestly everything style wise everything is is a play against him for Gabriel Rosado excuse me if he was able to blow him out does that does that even move the needle for you or anybody else as fight fans to say I want to see uh, Canelo versus uh, Danny Jacobs again or uh, Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs? I'd rather watch Gennady Golovkin and Danny Jacobs go at it again because the 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 sense is that Gennady Golovkin is a step down of who he used to be. So wouldn't that make a far much better fight? Uh, I mean. It would make a, for a better fight than, I guess, in theory, Gabe Rosado and Daniel Jacobs. But, I mean, just if you look at the landscape at 168, I just think that there are more compelling fighters out there that I would rather tune in to watch. I mean, at this point, I'd rather see Caleb Plant than Daniel Jacobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather see, obviously... Uh, you know, uh, Benavides more than Daniel Jacobs. Like, I know I'm mentioning PBC fighters right now, but, you know, honestly, I was more excited the last time I saw John Ryder fight at 168 than I was about <laughs> Daniel Jacobs. I mean, it, what didn't he didn't he bring the thunder, though, against Callum Smith? Why did why doesn't he get a shot? Like, it's like I, I agree. I why, why don't guys that fight that way get more shots? Like, what? Why? To me, as a fight fan. I think Danny Jacobs, in my opinion now, you should consider him as a gatekeeper. I don't think Danny has any negotiating power, in my opinion, to start saying who he should sway towards. Um, uh, Dwayne puts, God no, no Canelo fight, okay? Uh, G-Funk puts, Jacobs would be the best name on Charlo and Andrade's resume. I got to agree with you. Uh, G Funk, uh, A Rod, get my soul. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for joining us here on uh, Leave It in the Ring. Anyways, um, 
So well, what about again, this? Battle of the Gatekeepers. Why not David Lemieux, Daniel Jacobs? That would not... I actually would like to see that right? fight. That yeah, would yeah. Why not that? Fight. You know why? Because Danny Jacobs wouldn't be able to do what he did with Gabriel Rosado, which is make Gabriel Rosado, uh, make uh, David Lemieux believe that he's a boxer. We know that about yeah. Lemieux. He, he doesn't think like that. He's a seek and destroy kind of fellow. Yeah, I, I agree. You know? A-Rod put uh, Zordo's back and talking smack on Canelo. He's got a fight coming up. Yeah. Zordo, and it's on pay-per-view. It's yeah, on yeah, fight Zordo's. TV. Yeah. There you go. You know? But is Zordo, is Zordo still at 175 or is Zordo going to come back down to 168? No, I think he's going to stay at 175 to tell you the truth. Yeah, there you go. But the money would be yeah. right at 168. And I think the, the money or, or 175 for Canelo. But I mean, if he wanted to make, if, if, if Zordo wanted to make a statement, Ramirez wanted to make a statement, I would call out Danny Jacobs. Seeing the way yeah. he looked, that would be a good appoint, a, a, a opponent. Because he could say, "Hey, you went all you went the distance with with Danny Jacobs. I didn't. I stopped him. I think that Danny Jacobs. No, you know, I like Danny Jacobs a lot. I had him a lot of times on the ring. So it's nothing against you. Yeah, nice guy at all. At all. But I think you're prime and ripe already to be KO'd and taken out of the game. You know, which raises the third question: If he, would you want to see him retire instead of continuing on his with his career at this time? Um, I mean, look, didn't he make $14 million to face Canelo at MSG? I mean, he could have just retired straight off that. I mean, I really haven't seen him do much since then. But, you know, I'm sure he has a guarantee from Matchroom USA and from the zone, and right. he's going to milk that out until the contract's done. And guess what? If you can make a few million dollars fighting Gabe Rosado, you know, why not? But I think if he steps up and, and takes on the names that we've been mentioning, that he's in for a whole lot of trouble. Hmm. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. You know what? I want to know, though. What, what about Rosardo? I don't want to see him get back in there. I think that was whole a whole mirage thing for him to believe that he's now a boxer. I outboxed him better than Canelo did. Uh, I had a better performance than Triple G did against him. And I'm just like, bro, no, you didn't. Stop it. I think he needs to really hang him up. I think Gabe Rosado needs to hang him up. And I knew that if he did really well against Danny Jacobs, that it was going to lead him into this whole new campaign of starting to trump around, saying that he's a much better fighter than we expected or anticipated. To me, this was all just lies based on what he did against Danny Jacobs because Danny Jacobs went out there not being the miracle child. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, can't, yeah. can't disagree with that. No, I don't want to see him back in the ring. I don't want to see the kid get hurt. Uh, yeah, as well as Gabriel Rosardo. I've never had him on the show, but I actually like him. I thought he's always came. He's always exciting. But at the end of the day, I think the better days have left the kid. Um, anytime he stepped up to one of the top guys, we saw the end result. See, and then he, like he mentioned, look, I haven't been cut, blah, blah, blah. But here's the truth is that you haven't fought somebody that was willing and Danny Jacobs obviously didn't show up for this fight. He was more content getting the win so he could look on for a bigger payday. So we don't really know if Gabriel Rosado's face can hold up to somebody that's going to land a solid shot on his face. Yeah. Uh, Nando mentions uh, Rosado Munguia. That would be, uh, you know, that, that would be a good fight for Munguia. You yeah, know, I, I, look, at the end of the day, Rosado's kind of a, like a stepping stone type guy at this point. So, 
And Mungia kind of does need a soft touch at 160. Yeah, he honestly does because I think that if he goes into deep waters in that division, he's in for he's in the trouble territory as well. Yeah, I think you know. But here's the thing with Morgia is that um, if you try to box him the way Rosado was trying to do to Danny Jacobs, he's gonna eat you up, you know. And I think that's where we'll find out is Gabriel Rosado's face. Can it hold up to the onslaught that Morgia is gonna bring? I think it's a great fight. It also, I also think it's a good fight for Morgia to go after Danny Jacobs. But at 168, I don't think he wants to move up that up. That I mean, he just barely no. started going to 160. I mean, can Rosado or Danny Jacobs make it? Back to 160. I, I don't know. That's that to me is a uh, is some dangerous waters to go back and tread in, in my opinion. I agree. You know. I agree. Hey, let's uh, uh let's move on. Let's talk about Daniel Dubois. Oh my God, Joyce, Joyce. Um, you know, now we got to eat crow. Yeah, Definitely. I got to eat a lot of crow. Yeah, I got to eat a lot of crow for this because. Did Joe Joyce show up the way we thought he was going to show up? Very slow. He had the dial up. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the dial up. Yes, arms. he did. Okay. Um, Daniel, as well, the triple D here, uh, was lacking some speed himself. Uh, but there's the thing. He was up on the cards of two judges, okay? Um, yeah. I did see him landing some really good combinations. Here are the things yeah. that, that stand out with, with Joe Joyce. Why I thought he was winning this fight. One was he has a tremendous chin because he was getting landed. Mm -hmm. Some shots were being landed on him that most opponents wouldn't even last, you know, by getting hit hit by Daniel. The other thing is within the second round, I tweeted out on social media was that is Joe Joyce uh, channeling his inner for George Foreman jab? It seemed like it, but I didn't think that that the boy was going to turn into the Michael Moore. Okay, I didn't think he was going to fall into that trap because I couldn't see Joe Joyce land a right hand or a left hook to save his life. His jab was the only thing that was fast in that fight. And it basically, honestly, Milkar, tell me if I'm wrong or not, and guys in the chat room, it only seemed that that was the only punch that Dubois had to worry about in this fight. No, Dave, you're absolutely right. And I'll, you know, tell everybody who's watching the show right now and who's going to listen on the podcast, I became a fan of you, Dave Duenas, uh, when I first uh, heard your show. And one of the things, I forget what fight you were talking about, but you kept talking about the effectiveness of the jab and specifically the jab to the body. And I said to myself, this is a guy that knows a lot about boxing and this is a guy that I'm going to start listening to. And then I became a fan of your show and the rest is history. It all started with, with a discussion you were having about the jab to the body because Anyone who's boxed knows how effective that punch is. And right. to me, Joe Joyce, and I blame, honestly, Martin Bowers for what happened Saturday. Uh, Martin Bowers being the, the trainer from the Peacock Gym in London, who I do not think prepared uh, Daniel Dubois for this fight effectively at all. Okay? Hmm. Look at the difference in terms of how he came out in the first round to how he came out in the second. It was like, right. there's clearly no plan. I mean, no. in the in the in he he didn't know what to do with the fact that Joe Joyce came out with a with a strong jab. He he obviously had trouble uh, boxing and jabbing with a taller fighter. Like we knew that Joe Joyce was a taller guy. You right. knew that you were gonna have to jab up. You should have known that you're gonna have to go jab to the body. Uh, or straight instead, right to the body. 
You know, what I mean? right to the but it's, you know? instead it's like he's fighting a guy like like he, he it's like he came out with the same plan he had for fucking Fujimoto. Like right. what what was the difference in the way he attacked Joe Joyce to the way he's attacked any of his other opponents that he's like physically bigger and stronger than? Okay, so right. he comes out uh, loose immediately loses a jabbing contest and then has no real clue what to do. And yes. He pressed forward in the second round. And yes, he was landing the, the 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 harder shots. But unfortunately, those harder shots that he was landing and those combinations he was landing, one, he had no uh, plan B or plan C for the fact that Joe Joyce was going to be able to take some of those punches. Right. Okay. And B, had no uh, catch and counter, slipping of the jab. None. It's like he had no idea how to defend uh, 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 himself from a jab from a bigger, taller guy who absolutely was a much slower fighter. I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching the fight with my girl, and the first thing she knows is is the fact that Joe Joyce cannot land a hook. Joe Joyce cannot <laughs> land a right hand. He's missing. He's hitting air, and Daniel Dubois doesn't know what to do. I, I don't mean, know if you noticed this that when he threw a, a Joe Joyce here, and kudos to him, he won this fight with a great jab. But Great going, jab. going off of what you said about the left hook, I don't know if you noticed this, that sometimes he would throw that left hook and in mid-range, because he saw the ball move, he would switch it up. Because like, He didn't know if he should continue through with that left hook or if he should yeah. turn it over. I thought it was and the other thing, The other thing, too, is the corner advice. I mean, Joe Joyce was essentially jabbing and moving to the right away right. from Daniel Dubois' right hand which he couldn't land with the effectiveness like he did against, you know, uh, the, the the two Ghanaian fighters he fought and, and Fujimoto and these other guys. Where the fuck was the left hook? Well, here's... Where, where, where was going to the body? <laughs> like, if you're boxing a guy who's taller than you, who's slow as hell, who, who misses almost every power punches he throws, how are you not landing combinations and targeting the body for the first half of the fight? We know that Joe Joyce is sensitive to the body because we saw him get hurt there. We've never seen him get hurt to the head. Not in, not ever in any of right. his fight. Where was the body work? Where was the slipping of the jab? Where was the left hook? You know, I, I, I was like dumbfounded watching this fight. I seriously was. Well, you weren't the only one that was dumbfounded watching this fight. Nato points out there uh, in the chat room, Iron Mike Tyson had better head movement than Daniel Dubois. Um, you know, what's up, Joe Lopez? How you doing, bro? Thanks for joining us here on Leave the Ring. Um, you know, here's a lot of things you're mentioning. Uh, hopefully they go back at 22, at 23 years old. And his eye was really is what gave him so much trouble. You know, yeah. uh, the second round, you started seeing it started swelling up. Uh, I was happy because for a moment I was like, oh man, don't, don't, don't tell me we're going to go see this again with like Maloney and all that, where the thumb is in the eye and then they're going to stop it and all this other crap and all that. I give joy. Uh, I give uh, Dubois his kudos because he fought through it. It was bothering him. It was closing up. I did tweet out that if the eye shuts, it's going to definitely going to change the dynamic of the fight. It was going to change everything what this kid can do, you know. Seeing that Joe Joyce came out there was such a phenomenal job. And let me point this out. The way he was jabbing was not a, a you know, he didn't load up with his jab. Notice his jab. No. He never load up. 
He did something that I've always told kids and my kids to do, and I always, you know, would work on, is you jab from the elbow. When you jab from the elbow, it's hard for them to time it. You know, anybody in your face, it's yep. hard for them to time it because it's coming straight across. That's one thing that, that the boy couldn't figure out. He didn't know when that jab was going to be shot out because as slow as Jill Joyce was, the jab was quick because it's such a distance that it doesn't need to be, at, you know, at a fast speed, Okay. But how do you nummify? use this read and hide advantage? Right. But how do you nummify that? Well, you jab underneath the taller guy. Okay. You make Thank sure that you. he drops down. You jab underneath that. Now, here's one thing that that boy was doing very well was when he did jab, it wasn't a jab to reach him, but it was a jab to make him blink. And when you do that, that's why you use the straight right to go to the body. So you jab and go right underneath. He never did any of those things. You know, even jabbing to the, to the midsection, to the solar plex, you know what, though? It works, but if you're not used to doing it because you leave yourself very vulnerable up on top, when you decide to take that low step, you do leave yourself. And I think that's what Dubois and them were probably concerned about trying that move, and a lot of fighters are very concerned about trying that move. It's something that you just can't learn overnight. you got to do it at an early age and continue doing it so you're comfortable. I understand you know? that. Dave, I understand that, but right. Dubois Dubois is a six foot three and a, so sorry, he's about six foot four and a half. So he's got to know that at some point he's going to be fighting guys that are taller than him. Oh no, Joe Joyce is like almost six seven. Anthony Joshua is like six six and a half. Uh, Tyson Fury six nine. Like he's not only going to fight guys that are shorter than him. Like right, he, you've got to to understand how to slip the jab, how to catch and counter. How to bury right. a jab. And well, he had no one thing that Joe Joyce... He had, he had no, no angles in this fight. He fought He fought at a perfect straight line. He either came forward and he came back. He really made... He never made Joy Joyce, the juggernaut, look for him. He was there all yeah. the time. You know, like, and that surprised me with his corner that they never said, hey, step around him. Make him look for you. Make his head turn where he'll keep his guard up at one spot. And then if you move to the left or the right, he's going to turn his face. You know, I mean, I'm not asking for him to be Lomachenko, you know, but, no. you know, showing some angles. But that showed, you know, some of the abilities that he doesn't have. Maybe the boy doesn't can't do any of that, you know, uh, just maybe those are some of the stuff that we that we didn't see. And I basically picked the uh, boy because of the power. I thought the the, the punching combination was going to be a, too, a bit too much. And I thought by the time Joy Joyce decides to throw a punch. It wasn't going to land. And you did see that when he did decide to throw a right hand or left hook. That's why he stuck to the left jab the whole time. It was successful. It looked great. It looked phenomenal. And you know what? It got him the win. Yeah, it got him the win. Um, and I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from, from Joe Joyce on this. But that performance, to me... Uh, did not establish himself as a guy that should be, you know, competitive, let's say, against like Joshua Fury. Um, well, that's my next question. How uh, the, no. that performance from uh, Joel Joyce, the juggernaut, where does it move him to? Does it move him closer to facing some of the top guys, the top, you know, let's forget Tyson Fury. I don't think that fight's going to happen anytime soon. I think by the time there is even talks about it, I think Tyson Fury will probably retire out. Uh, there are Deontay Wilder. AJ was still is up in the air in his career because, you know, he's got some tough assignments to face before he can continue on. He may bow out if he ends up losing again by a nasty KO. Let's be honest here. He may say, I don't want to do this anymore. I made enough money to put in the bank. Why continue on? I'm still young and I can live my life, right? 
with, with, a, a, with a lot of coins in my bank account. Um, Joseph Parker, where do you put him at? Do, how do you, well do you think uh, Joey Joyce does? I mean, could he use that jab, that Foreman-style jab against a Joseph Parker at this stage of jo Joseph Parker's career? What do you think? You know, I... You know, I, I I liked what I saw in Daniel Dubois early, um, and to me, it's clear that Daniel Dubois took on too much. You know, he's he wasn't ready to necessarily graduate from that baby food just yet, and I honestly think that he's got to move on from Martin Bowers because I, I at, again I was not impressed with the corner work, and I definitely wasn't impressed with the preparation. And the reason I talk about that is I think that Joseph Parker is a much more seasoned, um, much more experienced a guy who is going to have backup plans and is going to be able to do things uh, in the ring that for whatever reason, whether it's lack of experience, whether it's his youth, um, whether it's his corner not giving him advice, uh, Je Joseph Parker is going to be a much, much a tougher test. If that fight does come off, then... Um, than D Daniel Dubois, Dubois is, but you know what? I'm actually looking forward to J uh, to Parker Junior Foss. So let's not just right uh, throw Foss out, out out just yet, because I think that's going to be a good fight for Parker as well. I agree. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean, definitely agree. You know, um, well, uh, Nado put up here. Uh, Joyce wants Usyk next for a, a potentially vacant WBO belt. And thoughts about that. Um, I like that fight. I mean, look, the history between the two, Usyk beating them in the World Series boxing uh, competition, obviously is going to be the the, the lead-up story to their match. It's a good fight. Um, uh, that exactly is what Usyk, what we're talking about, you know, head movement or showing angles is, Usyk, is what Usyk did in that amateur fight they had up against each other with no headgear and smaller gloves, okay? So I still think that, Usyk has the upper hand against uh, Joyce because, again, if Joyce's jab is the only thing that you got to worry about and there's nothing else in that arsenal bag, then all you got to do is train for the jab and not worry about the other stuff because with Dubois, I didn't see him worry about any other punch. Not another single significant punch landed on him except for that hammer jab that D-Style just mentioned in the chat room. The slow hammer yeah. jab that did, it was effective, it was strong, and it did a lot of damage. Now, if Joy Joyce can do this to every single heavyweight out there that goes in there without a game plan of trying to numbify that jab, he's got the upper hand. But at this moment, you know, I think both guys, including Dubois, who can go back to the drawing board, he's 23 years old, can switch trainers, or his trainer can learn from this as well and grow through this. I still think that they still, I mean, Dubois still is a is a problem child for the heavyweight division. There's time to grow. At 23, you know, Joe Joyce, strong, can take a hit, and he's got a good jab. Um, unless he can start to wind up something else with that, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Even his, even his chin alone is going to give guys, I think, a lot of problems. If he, walk, if he can walk a guy down, I think he gives a lot of folks problems here at Milcar. What do you think? I think you're right. I mean, the guy's 6'6", six, six, pushing 6'7", six, and weighed in for this fight at 260 pounds. You know, that's a big, big guy. It and, is. you know, I remember the Stavern fight. Stavern was, like, actually teeing off on him at certain stretches in that fight before he actually kind of gassed out. He was, like, tremendously out of shape. Um, but he, Joe Joyce was not able to do the bye-bye uh, Jennings, what he did to Daniel Dubois. Um which is why I don't think he's going to have success 
like you did Saturday night against a guy like Joseph Parker, who has multiple gears and, you know. Right, and uh, who's got a handspring. A, a, a very, box, he, you know? Thank you. Thank you. And who honestly has a very good jab himself. Absolutely. You know, you know I mean, um, he gave everything that Andy Ruiz could handle. People don't give him credit for that. Okay. You know, um, that'd be another good fight because, you know, Andy Ruiz would be able to get under that jab and work the body and land combinations. Well, here's one thing. If he can get in the shade, if he can get in the shade. Here's one thing that Dubois didn't do in that fight, uh, which was he didn't stay in the pocket, which was really smart. As slow as uh, Joyce was, he was trying to land a big hook or a right. He even was trying to occasionally throw up an uppercut. What Dubois was trying to do late in, in the mid-rounds, which I thought he should have started earlier if he was going to stay in the pocket. But he didn't do that. He didn't want to wait for the receipt. Uh, I think Andy Ruiz would do that. He would stay in the pocket with him. Should there be a rematch between these two guys? I don't know. Um, I think that's what uh, 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 D-Style's putting out there. Uh, I would if I was if I was him I wouldn't rematch and by him I mean Dubois he needs to go back to the to the drawing board he needs to get a new trainer he needs to work on a lot of different you know fundamentals especially uh, defensively I don't know um, though I, I think, think that if, I think he was winning the fight though I mean he was up on two uh, two on the two scorecards of judges he was losing on one score, a scorecard uh, D style put up there that in his opinion he thinks that Dubois wins the rematch. I mean, I think the one thing that he would have to, honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot of there that he needs to switch up here. I think you're being a bit too tough on the ball right now, to tell you the truth. I think the one thing he's got to switch up is just maybe angles, okay? But here's the thing, though. Honestly, that jab damaging that that eye of his changed the whole fight. It frustrated it him. It did. He couldn't see. Um, let me ask you this. Would you call Daniel Dubois a quitter? Look, uh, I remember back in the day when, like, Mar Margarito was catching fire for the eye stuff. And to me, if, like, your eyes fucked up, like, I have no problems at all with you, you know, calling it no mask. Because at the end of the day, you got to be able to see. You, you're going to want to be able to see your kids, your wife, your grandkids. You know, going 12 rounds and winning a fight is not worth your eyesight. So I wasn't in there, you know. I don't know what he was feeling. I'll tell you one thing. I was in like tremendous pain this week, and that was just nerves in my back. back right. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to you about that, Dave. If I was feeling what I was feeling in my back this week, in my eye, you know, I, I would I would quit, and I wouldn't care who would who would talk shit about it. You know, um, and apparently, like he did have to go see a specialist after visiting the, the hospital right. last night uh, because there was like concern about nerve damage around the eye socket. You know, once that's gone, that's not easily repaired. So, right. you know, he clearly felt something when he was touched with the jab. And he took a knee and he decided that it wasn't his day. And then he'd live on to fight another day. Um, you're right. I am being a little bit tough on Dubois. It's because, you know, I, as much as I think he possibly could win a rematch with Joe Joyce by making some, you know, <laughs> fundamental changes. Right. You know, we're catching and countering, slipping the jab working the body more. I think he needed to really, should have really focused on that early in the fight. Moving to his left and landing a hook when Joe Joyce continuously throws jabs and moves right. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that I felt his trainer should have really been helping him with. Well, he um, probably could But have I feel been... like a loss would be really detrimental to his career if he, did, if he wasn't able to get a win in this rematch. So, you know, you know I, I, um, think, I think what yeah. you're pointing out is the obvious and stuff, you know, but... 
where he yeah. was, you know, where he should have moved could have been the reason was his eye. He couldn't see. So maybe he was moving to the spots where he could see and he could throw punches. See his target, he's going to throw those punches. So a lot of that could have came into play. We don't know what's in the kid's head. I'm not making excuses yeah. for the kid. But I'm also putting myself in that situation. You don't know what he's doing because, you know, uh, like Mike Tyson famously said, we all have a game plan until we get hit in the face or in the mouth, right? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And the kid's 23 years old. Yep. You know, I mean, he got beat up by, uh, you know, yeah, he lost essentially. And he was competitive. Let's give him credit against an Olympian, uh, a medalist who was 12 years his senior and a much bigger guy. So in any other context, this wouldn't be uh, as harsh a loss. It's just that, you know, a lot of us believe that he was really the goods um, at such a young age and he was hyped up to be that. Um, but no, it, I, I don't want this to come across as a, as a like a, you know, a, to being overly critical of Dubois. I think if he gets... Well, we do. This uh, is a boxing podcast show, so you know, if one thing people yeah, do I, know, we are very critical, and we're going to point yes. out the obvious. You know, uh, just yeah, like, yeah. Just like right now, uh, London left hook combo of the day. Which, if you don't uh, follow him on Instagram, you got it. He throws up some good, uh, some footage and all that. Um, he said, "Hi guys, the ball needed to go to the body more," which we talked about earlier. And yeah. uh, he can't hurt Joyce's head, which we said earlier. It's concrete. I think remembering Jennings hurt him to the body. Yeah, That's what we mentioned as well. You know, um. And I think those are the things that need to be pointed out, you know, uh, is that, but the, again, if you couldn't see, and I think it was early on in that second round, I think that that jab changed everything for the kid because he probably was thinking, well, if he lands a hook or he lands a right hand, it can hurt me. I don't have to worry too much about the jab. And like everybody else was thinking, he's slow as shit. How is he going to hit me if he's that slow? I think going back to the drawing board and seeing that, you know, what, what London right now put up and I put up in the chat room saying that he read there's a fracture, uh, uh, a bone in his eye. I think it, it just changed everything with this kid's abilities could have done on that night. If he would have had a healthy face up against Joe Joyce. Congratulate Joe Joyce. You did your job. You won out there. And it wasn't upset because he was the underdog stepping in his fight. Slow hands, slow feet. But he went, but he didn't have a slow jab, and that made the difference in that fight—a whole lot difference in that fight. Yeah, I mean, everything from Joe Joyce was slow except for the jab. I mean, he was missing hooks wildly, you know, right hands wildly, and honestly, even his in and out movement was not very fast. But we're used to that. Right. Uh, one thing too that he kind of did with the lead hand was kind of faint a lot and do a herky jerky. Which, if you notice with Dubois, always had him kind of guessing himself and having to reset. Um, it was like, honestly, it was a masterful use of the jab. I, like, you got to give the guy credit for how we handle that. Got to give him the credit. You know, um, like I said, he he channeled in his inner for George Foreman. Uh, you know, the only thing different is George used that jab to move you sometimes into position where he can catch you with a big right hand. Joe Joyce didn't do any of that. He just saw, hey, shit, this, this jab is working. I'm working yeah. this jab. It's working, you know, and uh, he stuck with it, which other guys probably were like, uh, you know, as big and heavy as he is, even, even you know, if you ever decide to go in the gym and just go, hey, I, I want to see what is the big who about throwing the jab. Why come a guy doesn't use his jab consistently in every single round? Do that for three minutes, okay? Just jab. 
jab. And you could just don't you don't have to throw a hard jab. You could throw a mid range, uh, you know, kind of jab. And I'll tell you, within those two minutes, even leading into the two minutes, it starts to get heavy. It's very difficult oh, yeah. to see Joe Joyce do that. No, I mean, to see the, Joe Joyce do that, obviously, you know, your, your lactic acid is like going crazy when you're like throwing a jab constantly. But we knew three things about Joe Joyce uh, going into this fight. He's a very big guy. Big guy. He's got a very good chin. 100. And for a guy who's that size, the, the dude has tremendous stamina and endurance. 100. You know, like, his his engine is tremendous. In fact, I there's not many guys <laughs> that, 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 that are that size that I can think of that can do what he does. I mean. Right. You know, heavyweights are usually very oxygen deficient because of the amount of muscle that, you know, needs to be fueled by oxygen. And he just goes and goes and goes and goes. It's it's really, really impressive that he's able to do that while obviously absorbing punches and missing punches. Exactly. Well, here's the thing with uh, Joe Joyce. Can he be competitive with the top five, top six, top seven guys? Uh, Well, you know what? If he continues on with that jab, but he learns how to use it in other ways, like to to make the guy jump in the in the, in in the, in the position where he's not going to see your right hand or a right hook, it's going to do a lot of good for him because he's got a he's got an excellent chin, he's a big guy, um, and he's very well conditioned, very 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 well conditioned. So, anyways, let's move on. Let me ask man. you one. Well, let me ask you one question before we move on, though, because I think it's I think it's a it's a you know, a question that I'd like to have. That's not. That's uh, not me, Nato. That's not me. That's over there with a the milk car. One hundred. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, this sound in the background. That's not me, brother. <laughs> so, um, is Daniel Dubois power overrated, or is Joe Joyce's chin just really that good? Because it's gotta be demoralizing if you're Daniel Dubois and you're hitting him with like he hit him clean like multiple times, and oh, Joe is. Joyce didn't even flinch. No, he not got only hurt. did he not flinch, he, he just hurt. he got hurt. There was times his legs oh, were well, wobbly. There's that know? time when he kind of turned his back slightly to the ropes early on. I forget what round that was in. But after that, I mean, he he wasn't deterred. Like he did always come back with right. punches when he got hit. But yeah, he did he did obviously eat eat uh, a few shots. Yeah, I don't think honestly, I don't think his power is overrated. I don't think he's a height job. I thought that a guy went out there, found something that was working for him with the limitations that he has, and he used it, and it worked. It worked yeah. against Daniel Dubois. You know, uh, um, those a lot of those punches that he landed, I, I got to tell you this, uh, other guys would probably fold. They probably wouldn't have been Seriously. able to take, take a solid shot. So, Joe Joyce may have by far one of the best chins in the heavyweight division right now. Let me ask you, anybody right now, who's got a better chin than this kid right now? Honestly, I can't think of a guy. That, I mean, we've seen Fury hit the floor. We've seen, Wilder uh, hit the obviously, floor. Joshua hit the floor multiple times. Ruiz we've seen hit Wilder the floor. hit the floor. Has, jo- has Joseph Parker hit the floor? He might have another great chin. Uh, really in white, but it was it was kind of a, a, off of a foul and then a hit, so I barely counted. He, he's got a tremendous chin, uh, uh, Joseph Parker. Obviously, Dillian White's been knocked out cold, like literally cold. So, like, I, yeah, he's probably got the best chin right now. Yeah, I would say. I'm trying to think you out know? there. Uh, lots of laugh, Dave. The heavyweight division filled with dangerous spoilers. Shit's gonna happen. No, I think so too. I think that everybody that's coming out 
it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys coming into the heavyweight division that I think that we have to keep a close eye on. And again, yeah. I've, I've said this numerous times. When's the last time we've seen the heavyweight division get so stacked up like that? Um, I mean, Joyce, Joyce normally swarms his guys, but he kept jabbing and uh, stayed away. So uh, Debosh Power is real. I agree with you. Like I said, I think that his uh, his you know uh, uh, his punching is real. I think that jo- Joyce has a really good freaking chin. And uh, I don't question neither one of these guys right now in the grade of where they're where Dubois' power is at or uh, Joy Joyce's yeah, chin Joyce. is at. I think they're at both at A grade, definitely A grade. Hey, let's move London on. Left, London left hook brings out George Chavalo, the famous uh, Toronto boxer who yes. never went down versus his entire career. No. Yeah. All right. You say moving on. Sorry. Let's, Go ahead. No, no, no. Definitely. Uh, so Tyson Roy Jones uh, finally. Decided to meet each other after what 20 30 years in the making uh, They both got in there. Uh, I think everybody I think I said this uh, <laughs> It'd be pretty embarrassing. They had a much better entertaining fight than Daniel Jacobs and uh, Gabriel Rosado, let me ask you what did you think about the fight? Did you end up getting what you were expecting out of the two or did you get a little bit more than you thought was gonna happen? on Saturday night on their pay-per-view event? Uh, I wasn't really expecting very much. And <laughs> I, it was interesting because I think it was around the second round in the fight where like Mauro Ronaldo kept essentially alluding to the fact that there wasn't much action taking place and that people should set their expectations low. That way you won't be disappointed. And you know, Israel Adesanya and Snoop Dogg were like talking about how exciting the fight was. I was more on the on the in line with kind of what Mauro Ronaldo was saying. Um, you know, it was two fifty somethings mostly clinching each other and moving around the ring. I remember when I tuned into the undercard and I texted you, Dave. I said this ring is like super small. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody you know? knows that as well. Yeah. I got a lot of texts from a lot of folks about that, you know? It was, it was like, yeah. So, I mean, my expectations were very low. So, did it meet those expectations, especially after seeing, you know, how small the ring was and uh, expecting two guys essentially who were wearing tw- uh, 12-ounce gloves fighting two-minute rounds um, in a sparring session? You know, it met those, like, very low expectations. Right. Um, but beyond that, I can't really say I thought the fight was very exciting or compelling or told us much about either of these two guys other than the fact that they're obviously, you know, nowhere near where they were even at the latest stages of their career. Right. No, they're, they're, you know, I think Roy, <laughs> I think it was what, like the sixth or seventh round when he tried to throw in the machine gun flurries that he used to do back in the days when he was a middleweight and at 168, he was reigning at 175. And all he was hitting was air. Like Mike was literally like a foot away from those combinations. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. wow. <laughs> but I tell you what, I like what Mike did. I mean, we saw the old Mike Tyson and glimpse, you know, the head movement uh, going to the body. Uh, and I think honestly, to tell you the truth, I thought we saw a very reserved Mike. Uh, I don't think Mike was looking for the KO. He landed uh, on Roy Jones head at ease. But I never saw him follow through with the punch. And what I mean by that is he stopped mid-rage. As soon as he connected, he stopped. You know what I mean? He didn't really go through his opponent. You know? Um, so so that, it was like you thought was it was like karate sparring? 
Yeah, I really did. Like, I, I thought yeah, that and you then know like what? pull back. Yeah, I think he knew exactly what everybody thought that once Mike landed the iron punch, it was going to be all over for the uh, for Roy Jones Jr. Which that's what my concern was. I think a lot of people concern was is that you know Roy being fifty one, being that we've last time we seen him, he was like, "Ooh, look, uh, a penny," type of <laughs> fall in the f- head first down into the canvas. Um, we didn't end up getting uh, that, I, you know, at all. So I, my expectations actually were low as you like yours, but I end up getting we end up getting a little bit better um, than than we anticipated. I mean, we went from six rounds that initially got changed into eight rounds midway through for the for the fight. Yeah, um, Nando says rappers and YouTubers aside, Triller had the best boxing bubble presentation. This year, I thought I was watching the Grammys. Dope. I actually agree. Their production value was super high. Well, they were and using all the old HBO it, guys, you know, to do that, which was really good. You know. Yeah, I mean, they put on one show, and in one show, it's like looks better than everything the PBC and ESPN has done, at least here in the United States, throughout the pandemic. The production value was really, really good. No, it was. It was. And, and the zone, like it was better than all of them. Yeah. No, it really was. Um, I didn't care for Snoop Dogg's commentating, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I didn't really care for it. I, I didn't find him funny. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, <laughs> I guess I'm getting old, man, to tell you the truth. I don't know. I was just like, I don't want to hear you, Snoop. And, dude, how, how not, Snoop, like, come on, bro. I actually would have called him out on this shit when he said, well, when I got in the ring, bro, we've seen you punch, you know, hand mitts, okay? All right? And, and I'm pretty sure you've never been in a fight. You know, you look like an ostrich. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whenever you see Snoop, like, in a tank top or shorts, it's like, he's like twigs. You know? It's... But I, I mean, the, hey, the, the most one muscle, thing the I most, didn't really the like. Most, the most muscle that Snoop Dogg has is in his dreads. Let's be honest, okay? Yeah, seriously. And uh, the, the, the part I didn't really like about his commentary was when, like, Nate Robinson was, like, literally sleeping. And like he's cracking jokes about it. Like at yeah, that no, point, that was, we, that was bad. I that mean, bad. Nate, Nate was in a really bad state. Why Nate took that fight, I have no idea. Um, he he clearly doesn't know anything about boxing. Um, I mean, the guy was in the NBA. Why is he subjecting himself to getting knocked out and memed like that? I mean, he's being ridiculed. I, all I've been getting all day are like people sending me memes from Instagram of. of <laughs> You know, Nate Robinson sleeping on mattresses and stuff. It's I just don't understand why he did that. I don't know. Either. I mean, it was a. It, it was it was you know what here I my I know my my son wanted to watch it. That's why we, you know he was like oh, I want to see this. You know, and he was I said I think Robinson could, could you know cause this kid a lot of problems. Dad, he's an athlete. You know, a basketball player. I think he's better in adjusting and stuff. And I was like, no, son, that that that's not how it works in boxing. And I said that this kid, Jake Paul, has actually been practicing the science. Now, that first round, that guy, Kid Robinson went out there and he was just jumping all over him. But I was saying, let's see this. Because to me, Jake Paul wanted to box. The other, yeah, guy, the other guy wanted it to be a tough man competition. And I told my yeah. son, when that first round was ending, I said, let's see this kid settle down, uh, uh, Jake Paul, and get in range. And as soon as he got in range... He put that guy, Nate, uh, Nate Robinson, to sleep. I mean, it Honestly, was I thought Robinson was knocked out in the first round. But, like, the referee did not administer a proper count, nor did he 
you know, administer, administer like a proper safety check. I felt that he was actually knocked out in the first round. No, I thought, uh, he, they allowed I thought, it to I thought he, he, he was like, he got hit in the side of his ear and he was complaining. I got hit in the back of the head. That didn't happen. I saw immediately when I saw that, I was like, okay, he's uncomfortable. Okay. Because sparring yeah. with headgear and then actually getting hit without headgear, you're going to, you're going to, you're obviously going to feel the difference. Okay. Um, but going away from that, you know, Jake Paul, I thought he, I thought he, you know, I see improvement from the kid. Okay. And I think really, honestly, what you do with him is continue on giving him these celebrity matches. I, I mean, if you really want to get to see, find out whether or not he's really serious about the sport or he could be any threat to anybody, put him in with Badu Jack, you know, Badu's, Badu's feeding on like, you know, a bunch of white boys with very little boxing experience, I guess. I mean, well, you know, that one know kid what he brought out of Sacramento, I mean, I looked at his resume and I was like, well, one is that he doesn't have punching power. Uh, two is, is that anybody on his resume that he's beat, I don't know who they are. That says everything, you know. Uh, the commentators yeah. were talking about muscle and, well, he lost muscle. I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. It's skill level. It's nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> I mean, Badu Jack is like a former, like, multiple-time world champion who's even exactly. a lot of his losses were, like, disputed, very disputed losses. Yep. I just don't understand why that poor guy was fed to him. I don't know. So you know, me, maybe, maybe it was payback for the atrocities that he committed when he was out in Iraq or something. I, I I don't really know why he was, you know, subjected to the beating that was administered to him by 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 Badu Jack. You know, I'm going to answer some questions here on the chat room and then we're going to move on. We're definitely going to talk about what's next for Mike Tyson. Does it continue on the retirement tour? Uh, and then we'll go into uh, Spence Jr., and Crawford, is it ever going to happen? So let me go with uh, Dwayne's uh, uh, question. Let me ask this. Is Sugar Ray Leonard that bad mm -hmm. of a commentator? Was it almost like listening to your grandpa forgetting what he was about to say <laughs> mid-sentence? I wasn't, you know what? I got to tell you this. Um, I wasn't really honestly paying attention to Ray because I know what you're going to get from Ray. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Is that too harsh? No, I've been you, thinking you know? about this. I've been thinking the same thing about Ray, Ray since like the contender days, maybe before. Like he's just not a very good commentator. No, he's just not. No, and he says you know? the same thing over and over. You know, like, well, you know, this guy's in tremendous shape. Uh, this guy, you know, he knows what he's doing out there. <laughs> yeah, and he always relates it to like his own personal experience. I and mean, yeah. even Mara was like, "Dude, I understand you're talking about what it was like to come back out of retirement, but like you were in your early thirties when that happened." These guys are like in their fifties, you know. I thought I drank all my coffee and I just threw my water bottle in it. Jeez, good coffee there, gone to waste. Uh, let's go on. Let's go. Uh, you can't Joe put Lopez. the coffee to waste, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Tiene, tiene que respetar el cafecito, David. <laughs> uh, Joe Lopez, <laughs> there was a weight limit for Robinson versus Paul. Was there a weight limit for? Uh, I don't know, man. To tell I, you the truth. I didn't get too much into the YouTuber versus the basketball guy. Uh, Nate looked small compared to Paul. He's only 5'9". Bro, it looked like a bulked up welterweight versus yeah. like a guy who cut like down from heavyweight to cruiserweight. That's what it looked like to yep. me. G-Funk, I was rooting for Nate because he's always been the underdog. You know what? 
my a really good friend of mine who I grew up with, uh, Facento, who's a recording artist, a reggaeton recording artist. He's actually really good friends with that guy. Okay. Um, he trained with them because uh, uh, Fanchetto also was an amateur fighter, amateur boxer and stuff, you know. But, you know, I, I, I got to go back. When I saw that, I was like, this kid has no business in there. He's fighting a, a, an ex-champion, a guy with experience, a guy that's not on the way out, who still has a lot left bro, in was, him to be bro, competitive he, against some of the top guys at 168 or 175. Bro, right? he, was crossing, he was crossing his feet while moving forward while throwing punches. I mean, yeah. it was really bad. So let's go into Tyson that Nato puts out there. Tyson wants to continue his senior tour. Uh, who would be a good choice? Tarver, Hopkins, or even like a Roy Jones rematch? I don't want to see the Roy Jones rematch. I got to tell you what. I thought that after that second round, when Roy did feel the power of Mike, which was 60% of power that Mike was throwing, he didn't want anything to do with it. Like, he didn't even want to box. He wanted to grapple the whole time against Iron Mike, which... Uh, for a moment, I don't know about you guys, but for a moment, when I saw Mike's face, cheek, really close to Roy to Roy Jones Jr., I was like, hey, dude, is he going to bite him? Are we going to see the old, angry Iron Mike Tyson out there getting frustrated because you're trying to grapple with him, and then there's head bunts? You know, that for a moment. But then I started seeing the whole thing. Roy Jones really wasn't there to fight him. Um, let, me ask, let, me ask, let me ask you guys about this. How many of you noticed that Roy Jones at 51 was more gassed out than the 54-year-old Iron Mike Tyson, who is a pot smoker now? He's a pothead. Everybody was expecting him to gas yeah, out, and he did too. it. He did it. He didn't gas out. I noticed out. that, too. <laughs> no. Um, and obviously, he looked like he was in better shape. Like, Roy did not look cut at all. You know, he uh, he just looked like a guy who's he overweighted. And, yeah. He looked bloated. He retained a lot of water, I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I see Shannon Briggs next, uh, Holyfield. Last time I saw Holyfield, he was actually looking like he was in tremendous shape. Oh, he looked shredded up. But but let me ask, let me tell you this, though. Iron Mike, I think what caught a lot of the, of, the, of, the, of the imagination of casual fans is when they were seeing Iron Mike in videos on Instagram with this chiseled body. He shows up for the fight. He looked he looked his age, 54. He wasn't very chiseled up. He had good condition, no. but I think that because of the bottom uh, mm. testing stepped in, I think it caused a lot of stuff. You know, they had to get off whatever they're doing. I'm wondering if that's what's going to happen with Holyfield. But I think it's the obvious, like what Bruce says, Bruce goes, uh, you know it's Holyfield. I honestly think that would be the big money fight for these two guys, if they, for Mike, especially if he continue on in this retirement tour. Yeah. You know, and I, I, it came up in my news feed that uh, Lennox has said he's open to fighting Riddick Bowe. Apparently, Riddick Bowe has been asking Lennox for a fight wow. for a few years. So, you know, yeah, if, if only he would have demanded a fight when everybody wanted it instead of throwing his, his, his WBC belt into the trash. You know, A-Rod, uh, Shannon Briggs next. Woo. You know what, though? I, I wouldn't want to see that. I, I'll tell you why I wouldn't want to see it. I mean, I would see it, but what I, why I wouldn't want to see it, Shannon Briggs is still much more. There's still much left of being a prime Shannon Briggs. He's a younger guy. I, I think he just hurts Iron Mike at the stage where he's at, to tell you the truth. And he's a big guy. He's not like Roy Jones. Yeah, Roy he's Jones not, is the same no. size. Didn't, you know, not that much muscle mass. Uh, Shannon Briggs is a big dude. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I wonder how the pay-per-view did. 
I don't know, but a lot of folks have been saying that it, it possibly, uh, I mean, it did really good. It probably did better than a lot of other uh, pay-per-views that have been around for 2020. Wow. You know? So it would be interesting to see if it does better than the pay-per-view that's coming up between uh, Danny Garcia and uh, Errol Spence Jr. Yep. Yep, that's for sure. Okay, topics here on Leaving the Ring. Got a lot of Gmails. Um got a lot of gmails asking about the crawford versus bob aram feud you know uh after terence crawford ko'd cal brook you know there was some words that were exchanged on separate interviews uh, bob aram basically saying I, you know what i can't promote this guy you know I, I you know there's not much i could do i tried to make the fights with the pbc guys it didn't happen it didn't work and then Crawford hearing about this and, uh, you know, saying, hey, that kind of hurts my feelings. I never thought that that's the way he felt about me. And if that's the way you feel about me, release me from the contract. What do you think is stirring up there, uh, Amokar? Is there really truth about this or are they really trying to play something in lines of making folks believe that they're going to break up? I think Bob Aram was just sour uh, and he's getting older and he's like taking on the attitude of I just don't really give a shit and I'll say whatever's on my mind. Right. Um you know, I'm nowhere near as older as he as old as he is, but even I feel that way sometimes. Um, and he just doesn't like the fact that he hasn't made money off of Terrence Crawford, at least the kind of money that he wants to make. So he dropped the comment about, you know, he could have bought a house in Beverly Hills for the amount of money that he's lost on Terrence Crawford. Um, <laughs> I could have bought a know, house in Beverly Hills if I didn't sign Crawford. Uh, I thought he had like a television deal with ESPN and ESPN was paying for most of this stuff, but you know, maybe that's not the case. Look, he's got to understand. And on this one, I really side with, with Crawford. Crawford's the fighter. Like his job is to train, be in shape and to take on the opponents that are put in front of him and win, obviously. And you know, it's his manager's job, Bo Mack to get the best amount of money that he can for a fight for his fighter and whatever endorsement deals and everything else. And it's Bob Arum's job to promote the fight, to try to make it as big as possible and to make as much money for all parties involved. That's his problem. Um, And I've had issues with Bob Arum committing what I call promotional malpractice. And you know, I, I always complained about this to you, David, way back in the day, when he completely threw Rigo under the bus and then beep, beep, like backed up over him and then you know ran over him again uh basically saying that the guy's unpromotable and this was when Rigo was like knocking out every mofo put in front of him you know but but committed the heinous crime of like absolutely washing uh Nonito Donar who was at that time you know the golden goose as far as Bob Aram was concerned at least like the prodigal son and you know it kind of ruined uh whatever plans Bob had for Nonito and, you know, because of that, he, Rigo felt the wrath of Bob Arrow. Um, you know, he's, I said this uh, when I was speaking to D style, uh, last time I was on uh, the, the round table, you know, that's kind of like Bob Arum's MO, you know, fighter doesn't, you know, follow the plan or do exactly what Bob thinks should be done or make the kind of money or whatever the case may be. And, he has no problem uh, negatively disparaging the guy publicly, whether it's Delahoya, whether it's Mayweather, whether right. it's Rigo, whether whether it's 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 Terrence Crawford now. 
Well, you know what? I, we got a surprise guest that just on the line right now here, here uh, Amilcar. Uh, let me patch awesome. him in. Let me patch him in here. We got Drunk Spence on the line. Maybe we can ask him if the fight's ever going to happen. Drunk Spence, are you there? Javante's a great fighter. Javante's <laughs> <laughs> a great fighter. I love him. Now, he is the best. I feel like he's the best fighter out there. I feel like he'll be anybody. It doesn't matter. Of the weight class. Just like Adrian Bronner. So, it is what it is. See, line them up, he will beat them. Oh, okay. So you think that Terrence Crawford did he did he say Terrence Crawford's a great fighter? Uh, Spence, did you say that Terrence Crawford's a great fighter? Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. Are we red snapper? Oh, yeah, yeah, nah, Tank a great fighter. I love him, Diff. No, we're talking about we're talking about Crawford here. Now, not Tank. You know, is is Crawford I mean, are you gonna fight him? Is that gonna happen or it's not gonna happen? Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. Are we red snapper? Oh, yeah, yeah, nah, Tank a great fighter. I love him, Diff. I don't know. I don't think he understands what we're asking him here, there, uh, Milkar. Look, uh, Spence, drunk, drunk Spence. Well, I'm asking you. Let me ask you again. Do you think? What do you? Okay, let me ask you. What do you think about Terrence Crawford? And do you think you're ever gonna face him? Do you think he's ever gonna cross the street, or or maybe are you gonna cross the street? I, I love him to death. I love him. It's crazy. I can't. I, I love. I love. Yeah, he be my amateurs. Look, I started fighting in 2015. In 2015, I started fighting in 2015. He beat me in 2016. I was year fighting. I started fighting when I was. 15. I was born in 1990. 2015, I was 15 years old. He beat me in 2007, you know, but shout out to him. But he I don't think we're going to get much out of uh, Drunk Spence here. I don't know. Do you got any questions for Drunk Spence? Does anybody have any questions uh, for Drunk Spence? <laughs> I, I, I hope uh, Errol Spence is, is, uh, is taking his, his sobriety seriously and is trained for his fight because I actually think that uh, Danny Garcia is a live dog in that one. Oh, I think I really, I really do. I well, really you know do. What? There's another caller that we got that says it can help us out, make this fight happen. They believe that this fight could happen with the power of prayer. Uh, Paula White, who's the advisor to, uh, you know, Donald Trump, says she's on the line. And so let me ask her, uh, Paula, how could you help us out to assure us that this fight between Terrence Crawford and... Uh, Errol Spence Jr. is going to happen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of okay. Jesus, let every idol order, let every oh, wow. false order that has been erected, let it come down, let it be burned by the fire of God right now in the name of Jesus. Let every... Worship the Lord. There you go. I think that might work. Wow. There, you know, but Paula, honestly, I mean, you got to give something a little bit more stronger. Like, I think you got to, you know, dig deep in order for this fight to happen, to see a top ranked fighter get in with uh, a PBC fighter. Don't you think the, 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 the whatever you're doing there, uh, the ha ha, hoo hoo, he, he, you know, it's got to be a little bit stronger for us. Maybe. I don't know, man. You got to be more convincing for us here, Milkarb, right? I mean, I'm not a religious person, but it's got to be a little bit more convincing. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling that. You feeling that, Mil? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> if, if, it gets us a, if it gets us a fight, I'll be speaking gibberish, too. Well, hold on. Uh-oh. 
Oh, it's, it's, she's bringing it, bro. I think she, I think she got something. Oh, shit. Come on, everybody. I can feel it. Oh. Damn. It's gonna happen now, bro. We'll see. It's going to happen now. I get the sense, you know. Thank you, Paula well, White, for coming on and gracing our, our podcast by making us believe that you can make this happen with the power of whatever that was uh, that she did. I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, man. We had Drunk Spence come on, and then we had Paula White, the advisor, to, spiritual advisor to Donald Trump, come on to the show here. Nando Lamas, as it says, Nando Yamas, he says that De La Hoya and Virgil Ortiz on record today with Dan Raphael, they are receptive to a Crawford fight this year. I'm I'm all for that one. I, I asked for that. I I asked for that one earlier this year because Virgil Ortiz needs an opponent. Uh, Terrence Crawford needs an opponent. I love. I give me all of that. Oh, yeah. I want to see that fight. You know, I mean, Ortiz would definitely, I mean, he'd go under as the underdog in this fight. But, I mean, they know yeah. each other from the amateurs, you know. Um, it's not like they, they're not aware of each other. It's not like they haven't seen each other, you know. Um, and especially with Ortiz, every test that's been put in front against, uh, up against the kid, he's passed with flying colors, Right. Yo, that kid's got tremendous skills. He's in tremendous shape. The guy's got the heart of a lion. Yeah, he and, does. You know, and you know what explained a lot of that to me? When I heard that, like, he was a like a standout cross-country runner in high school in addition to his boxing. Like, cross-country is a very difficult sport. You know, to be uh, really at the height of that, you know, you've got to really dig deep in that sport and, and, and survive like that. And apparently his dad has a... a distance running background too so yeah I've, i'm a big a fan and believer in uh, in jo- virgil ortiz i'd like to see that fight i would and i'm say, saying this year i mean or next year 2021 hi but what's up i'm not what's saying you? uh i'm guessing it, it must be next year 2021 because this year's almost done i think we still yeah. have junk spence on the line what do you think junk spence you, would you face the kid ortiz javas is a great fighter <laughs> <laughs> Javante is a great fighter. I love him. <laughs> now he is a best. I... <laughs> oh man, I think anything. Uh, you know, they're saying that Timo Fimo Lopez started this trend. Uh, what do you think about that, bro? You think Timo uh, Fimo Lopez started that trend, or do you really think that Mikey Garcia started the trend by going up uh, to what two or three weight classes to face Errol Spence Jr.? Um, interesting. I'm not quite sure what. The, the trend is that uh, that people are referring to. I I know Teofimo, I believe, was saying that Darren be, you know, Darren younger be fighters. Darren to be great. Oh, Darren to be Darren to be great. Um, right. I think that's. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, there's been guys Darren to be great for a long time. I mean, I felt that Pacquiao was daring to be great when he moved up in weight and fought uh, Margarito. You know, I mean, this isn't anything new. I mean, there's always been guys that that have done that. Um, that was just one that came up off the top of my head. I mean, 
Tyson Fury was daring to be great when he came out of retirement and took on Wilder. So, you know, That's it's right. yeah, you know, but it's good. It's good to see that there are guys that are willing to do it and to kind of cross those lines. Look, uh, not uh, saying what this year. was daring to be great when he took on uh, Maurice Hooker and mm. fought on the zone, you know? Yeah. Um, as was Maurice Hooker taking on Ramirez. So, you know, um, see, we're in the world. Jo- we're, 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 we're now entering into uh, December. So basically mm-hmm. you have two months and not saying it's this year that they're talking about De La Hoya and Bob Arum going into these talks about possibly happening with Virgil Ortiz and Terrence Crawford. Crawford obviously didn't get, doesn't, you know, there was nothing there to say that he needs any medical attention. Uh, I, I, I don't see it would be difficult. Maybe just the site. Where would it be held at? Um, and where, what network would it end up on? Because if I'm right, Virgil Ortiz, I think, is probably exclusive to the zone. So where would it end up at? I think that's the only thing that would probably be holding off this fight because Ortiz hasn't fought uh, since uh, mid was mid year that he fought this year. So uh, I think they're both ready to go to tell you the truth, you know, unless Ortiz is the one that says I need more time. Uh, Pull is uh, a Caleb plant says I need six weeks, eight weeks to get ready for a, for a Terrence Crawford, because we know that Crawford's been in training camp and just got off of a great performance against uh, Kel Brook. So he should be ready to go, you know, no mark up there for him on his face or his body. Don't wear and tear. He did get tagged a bit, but I don't think it's enough to say that he could be out for the next year. But I think the only holdup would be what network and where where would it be? Where would it end up at? Well, if Bob's so disappointed, you know, maybe he'll release Crawford and Crawford could do it on the zone. Who knows? If the price is right with the zone, why not allow him to go over there with Bob still? You know, right. And if Bob doesn't have to front any money, he's just got to collect the check. That's that would be the smart move. And I think Bob would be willing to do that, to tell you the truth. You know? Yeah. You know, I remember asking Joe Habib how many fights uh, Crawford has left on his contract. And he told me that there was two fights left on his contract. Mm. So Renato's puts down young guys not trying to baby their O is a great thing for boxing. I agree with that. And that's the trend that he's referring to. Uh, oh, got it. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. No, that's All true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a, that, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. I think. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Dubois should get credit for that as well, in spite of losing. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Well, same I thing just... with Joe Joyce. I mean, you got to give him credit as well. Yeah, Joe Joyce, both of them. Both absolutely. Of them guys, you know, undefeated heavyweight guys that decided to step in, big punchers. Uh, and uh, and Dubois done it twice because uh, the first time he did it was against Nathan Gorman. And a lot of people picked Gorman to win that fight because of Gorman's boxing skills. He was undefeated too. Absolutely. Okay, fellas, I think we're all talked out here uh, with a yep. bunch of topics. We'll be back this week, actually. We'll talk. I don't know if it's going to be Monday. I don't think we will. But it'll probably be midweek. Um, we'll get back here on the air. And we'll get everything situated Sounds good, Dave. where we can get people online here. Absolutely. On I, and stuff. I bought a kick-ass production studio thing. I just didn't have time to get acclimated with it and set it up today. Shout out to Eric Lorda for his recommendation on it. Really quick, too. We are on uh, featured on the Locker Room app. It's on an iPhone app. If you uh, download that, hey, friend me. It's uh, the, you know, leave it in the ring, L-I-I-T-R. Uh, you'll find me on there. 
and uh, I do some just, uh, you know, really quick snippets of what my, you know, boxing thoughts or fights are coming up that I'm not going to put on the podcast. Uh, and you can join me. You can actually, there is a chat room there, and then I can put you on the stage, and you can chop it up with me on the app. So put that up, put, download that app, and join me on Locker Room, okay? Again, guys, you guys have a great, great day. Enjoy your Sunday, and uh, we'll see you guys next week here on Leave It In The Ring. Sounds great, Dave. Take care.